Hello and welcome. I'm Simon. I'm Alexander. We are Needy Pintech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 238, recorded on September 26th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. Here we are. Here we are lacking one thin. She has always been lagging behind, but that's mostly due to the time difference, right? I'm sure she's more than happy to explain to you the, the I just realized that it's we that are lagging behind. <laughs> I was getting there, but sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you, you can I, I, I can I'm hit. getting there. See what I did there? Oh, good. Yeah, but I do think that I'm slightly more west than you are. That Possibly. might be the case. I'm definitely more more far north. True that. True that. No, so um, Haney is uh, unable to uh, uh, attend this recording. Uh, she is traveling uh, at this specific moment, so she mm-hmm. wasn't able to to join us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will be back for the live recording that we're slated to do in two weeks' time uh, when mm-hmm. we go to the Netherlands and to Belgium. I'm unreasonably excited for for that. It is going to be phenomenally fun. It was great it, it, when Haney and I did it, yeah. and having the three of us is is going to be fantastic. Absolutely, looking forward to it. And thank you to uh, SQL Saturday Netherlands and to Data Minds Connect for inviting us. We will do our best to entertain and possibly also educate. Possibly educate. That's a pretty good as- abstract right there. We will possibly <laughs> educate you. We can't guarantee anything, but we will possibly do so. Yeah. We will endeavor to possibly do so. So let's look at the the news. It's I'm I'm getting the feeling that things are in in motion. And I know for a fact that there will be releases coming out on the uh, the 10th. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. in fact, the the fabric release event is slated for October 10th. And this is yep. not me breaking my NDA. This is me reading from the Microsoft Events <laughs> website, just saying. <laughs> um, and that's also something that I, I'm I'm going to cover in uh, our next episode, the the focus episode. But more about that in in a bit. From my side of the fence, there has been a number of of updates. I'm going to focus on Power BI and some fabric stuff. And as always, I've I've dove fairly deep into the uh, the September feature update for Power BI, for starters. And one thing that I think you are going to really enjoy is the supporting of Azure Active Directory shared device mode. And it's actually called Azure Active Directory shared device mode <laughs> as opposed to Entra shared <laughs> device mode. But who am I to uh, nitpick? Thank you for pointing that out. I actually didn't even consider that that is so wrong. <laughs> I know, right? It's hilarious. Yep. So I'm pretty sure that you can explain the shared device mode way better than I can, but this is um, a way to um, handle devices that are used by multiple people. Mm-hmm. And this whole shared device mode brings with it a number of, of challenges. One of them being that 
how do you figure out who's using the device at any given moment and how do you figure out uh, which uh, security to apply to that? But that is sorted through um, logging into the app instead of logging into the device. Exactly. And now Power BI Mobile supports this shared device mode login. It's in preview, but it's getting there. So uh, places like schools, and in public institutions, for instance, where you may share a device, you're now able to use Power BI and all the rich features that come with that per user in a secure manner. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's a, it's a, about you sign into one app and you can have multiple apps on a kiosk device, as an example. Once you've signed into one app, you will be signed into all of these apps. Once you sign out of one app, you will be signed out of all the apps, and therefore you can hand it over to someone else uh, to sign in at the next shift or at the next class or whatever it might be. So it, it's a feature that's been around for Azure AD, and uh, I would say especially iOS devices for quite a while. I do think it's supported on Android as well, but uh, I do see that a lot of Especially if you look at, uh, I would say, financial institutions, uh, in insurance, things like that would have a greater need of Power BI in, in this mode rather than a class. Uh, but I could definitely see that schools could use it as well in the, in the higher ages. For sure. And another change that has come is, so role of a security is a way to look at a data set underlying Power BI, a Power BI report, but mm -hmm. seeing different things depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're you're looking at a, an Entra AD. What, what the heck is it called? Is it an Entra group <laughs> or is it an Azure AD group or what is it? I think it's an Entra ID group. Okay. It's an Entra <laughs> ID group. So you look at an Entra ID group and then figure out what's your... your um, are, are you a member of this group or not? And then you've automatically filtered the data to, mm. uh, to uh, support that. Now, this can get fairly complicated fairly quickly. And one thing that we all absolutely loathe are the edge cases where person A is a member of groups one, two, and four, but not three. And three is not allowed to do X. You can see the... the complexity fairly quickly. Now there is, uh, there has been a way to, to look at the, um, the report from the perspective of a specific um, security group, but this mm -hmm. has been clunky and as it's clunky, well, it's prone to, to mistakes and that mm -hmm. is a potential security issue. They've now increased the, um, or increased, I should say the, the, they, they have improved is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, the way you can simulate or view uh, as a specific role. And I think this is a small change, uh, probably fairly easy to implement, but it is a huge quality of life update for developers who find themselves in, in the unenviable position of a possibly leaking data. Yeah, and I'm actually uh, in a project now where I hopefully will put this into production at rather large scale. Uh, which is something I really look forward to. And I think we can talk about like how do you then create a report and ensure that the user understands what they're actually looking at. Because I can possibly see that 
if two persons look at the same report, but they have different data sets depending on the data they are able to view, they will have two different results. And they obviously need to understand that. Or is that not how it works? Uh, ish. I, I think you mean it the right way, but you said two different data sets. That's the, the, that's ah, the sorry, point. You're sorry. looking at the same data set. And yes, I'm sure you know exactly. that. But yes, yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting two sorry. views of the same data set. This, this is the flip side of, of security, right? Because mm -hmm. it runs headfirst into trust. Mm -hmm. Because if I look at data and I don't see what I'm expecting, that's an instant trust decrease. Yeah. And then you're working uphill. Mm -hmm. which is something that I will be discussing in an, uh, another um, focus segment and also another session that I'm, I'm building out right now. Nice. Looking forward to it. And finally, when it comes to Power BI, a while back, they released the Git integration and mm -hmm. how to work with deployment pipelines in Git. This is new things for most Power BI developers. They've never seen Git. They've never seen the, the concept of CI CD. So finally, they've created a full end-to-end CI-CD tutorial, step-by-step, -step, the whole nine yards, and it's designed to help you figure out how to use Git, how to use Power BI, how to use the deployment pipelines, and have the whole thing just work together. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. Great. That is something that they actually should release for more services that are enabled for that, I would say. I'd, I'd have to agree. I mean, show, don't tell. I've, I've had that discussion with customers so many times that I can explain to you that something does, but I can show you and you're mm -hmm. going to understand much faster how this mm -hmm. applies to you. Examples, well, that's the way that I learn, not necessarily mm -hmm. the way that everybody learns, but I find that it is a very good middle, middle road, if you will, uh, yeah. for, for people to figure out how to do things. And the final thing that I wanted to cover is the fabric capacity management platform updates. That's a mouthful. So the thing with Fabric is that you don't have a gazillion knobs to turn. Mm -hmm. You buy a capacity and that's the only thing you buy. The capacity, well, if you want an F64, that's going to cost you twice as much as an F32 and so on and so forth. This is a lot of money, but how do you figure out what is consuming your compute and, and your capacity? Mm. How do you figure out if one thing is essentially hogging everything and making your, your life miserable? Yeah. This has been one of the biggest asks and also one of the biggest um, criticisms of Fabric mm. when it came out, that we do not have any visibility into this. And now we do, because there is a huge blog post uh, fabric capacities, everything you need to know what's about, uh, about what's new and what's coming. It's written by Chris Novak and was uh, put out on September the 18th. It walks you through what are capacities, what is bursting and smoothing, and why is that the key to running with a smaller capacity than you might think you need? And how do you use the capacity metrics to monitor usage and spend? And also, what are the improvements that are coming? So now you can see, for instance, how much is the data warehousing component consuming? How much is the SQL endpoint consuming? And so on and so forth. So this, this is how you figure out that generally my, my fabric capacity is running fine. I have lots of headroom until I kick off this specific thing. Then I am looking at bursting. And that is 
potentially an issue going forward. So love this. It is, again, a quality of life update. I would argue it should have been there from the start. But then again, I would argue that a lot of stuff that we see now coming out in Fabric should have been there from the start. And I think that's a conversation for uh, for another day. But <laughs> I, I love what they're doing with this. So what I'm trying to get my head around is we have talked about Fabric. Do you consider Fabric to be a SaaS solution or a PaaS solution? A SaaS solution. Absolutely a SaaS solution. Because then... I, I do understand why this feature should be there. I, I, I do get that because you are somewhat in charge of, of that. But it's, isn't it a fairly odd SaaS solution when you actually put your nose in how they manage it underneath? Like, um, I'm trying to get my head around. I understand the problem, but at the same time, which other SaaS service do you do this with? Where you can get that insight, where you can tweak things, where you like whatever it might be. No, and, and, and I agree. But say that you, what can we take for example that, that does the same thing? I don't thing? think there is another example. Well, there is. Let's, let's go with uh, Snowflake. You okay. pay a specific amount of money for computing Snowflake. Mm -hmm. Horsepower. And then you toss um, a workload on it and mm -hmm. it either performs or it goes slow. So what do yep. you do if it goes slow? Well, you crank the power, you hear the screaming of your wallet and <laughs> off to the races you go. Yeah. But what if you have about a billion horsepower of headroom mm -hmm. in reality, but mm -hmm. one single thing that you have misconfigured or had a horrible day when you designed is eating up your capacity what if you were able to see that see that spike and go mm. aha i can fix that mm. and then smooth out your load and boom you can pull down the whole uh, crank the knob thing and i think that is why they're doing it in in fabric yeah. so it's a way to help people not necessarily save money but to have a more um, efficient use of mm. their, um, uh, their their SaaS service. Yeah, and, and it makes sense from a, a like sales point of view as well. If you, like you said, have something misconfigured and therefore you need to have a very expensive fabric instance, you won't use it because then it's cheaper to do something else and Microsoft will lose the efficiency that they are trying to get with fabric, I would assume. True. And it's, it's also kind of a, a shot across the bow for stuff like Snowflake, mm -hmm. because Snowflake has all, always said that you don't have to worry. You don't, you don't need to know. Mm -hmm. you, you just pay and we perform. Yeah. And that is true. But it also means that if you don't know what you're doing, and I'd argue that most people that use Snowflake don't, <laughs> they are setting themselves up for a painful experience. Uh, I would argue that you can tune most Snowflake uh, environments and, and get much more performance for much less money. But that's not the selling point of Snowflake. And no. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's you're going to save more in the end if you just toss money at a problem exactly. and get yeah. that done quickly. And that's mm -hmm. fine. I mm -hmm. just want to point out the, the, the difference um, in, in thinking, I think. Yeah, and it's a question of how much money do you actually have? Like, how much money are you willing to bet on that you actually will perform or reach the, the business outcome faster? Uh, and 
le- less expensive by throwing money at it. it. It's like the buy the full E5 or not. <laughs> and, and this brings me to uh, another thing that I want to discuss in the future, mm-hmm. cloud repatriation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, that is, you, you have seen the LinkedIn posts. I have. <laughs> we, we need to talk about that in the future as well. We, we really need to talk about that. Yep. So what's happening in your side of the fence? Well, I've already had my, uh, my event. Uh, so last uh, Thursday, uh, Microsoft had an event in New York where it was basically first introduced as a Surface event. Uh, so when I tuned into it, I first thought I'm at the wrong stream <laughs> because all they talked about were Copilot. But apparently now Copilot needed some extra space, so they draw attention to it by combining it with Surface announcements. So during 45 minutes or so, Satya were actually there, which was quite unusual. Uh, Panos Panay were not, which was also a surprise to some extent. Uh, They introduced a number of new things, uh, and I've decided to split that up into two parts. One being Copilot and Windows 11, because they also go very well together. And then we'll talk about the Surface devices. So uh, first, uh, today, the new Windows 11 version is actually being released, uh, which obviously includes a Copilot, uh, which will enable you to uh, work across both Windows uh, and um, the rest of the Microsoft 365 suite. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes, uh, but it will also enable you to do everything that you were promised to be able to do with Cortana. So you will be able to speak to it, you will be able to chat to it, it will give you suggestions on how to improve things, and it will help you across all of the apps within Windows and also within um, uh, the operating system as such. And we have now a number of new creativity tools, which we'll get back to when we talk about um, Surface as well, but it's now we have Clipchamp, which do things with um, movies or, or video editing. We have a, a group of new features for uh, creativity and new paint, a lot of the, those things. We have a new file explorer and we have a new Windows backup solution, so where you can backup your client, among other things, and obviously also a lot of IT management specific things in Windows 11. So it's, I would say, one of the biggest Windows releases in terms of new actual features that you will notice in quite a while. Uh, and, and certainly the biggest Windows 11 release in terms of new features. So that's available from today, uh, so the day of recording, which is uh, September 26th. In addition to that, Copilot has now been rebranded. So Instead of having a copilot within each of the services and one copilot in Windows and one copilot in PowerPoint, everything is now copilot. And it will stretch across all of your services. So it will be the same copilot within Office like it is in uh, like Microsoft 365 services as it is within Windows, which gives you a number of uh, quite cool features where you will be able to move in between apps. So let's say that you have a picture that you create in Paint and you want to send that to PowerPoint and then you realize that something is wrong with the picture. So you ask Dali uh, to change the picture 
for you. Uh, and it will give you a, a lot of automation workflows. So things they looked at and, and showed during the event were the ability to schedule flights using Copilot. So where it will actually look into your previous meetings, not just meetings you have attended, but meetings you were invited to but didn't attend. And use the transcripts to see, yeah, you were assigned to go to this thing and you need to fly out on this day, fly back on this day, you were going with this colleague. Um, and dependent on the, the data access you give it, it will actually be able to check, schedule the same flight for me as for my colleague David going to this event. And it will be able to schedule the entire trip for you. So you will be able to have an interaction that goes across all of your meetings, all of your services, all of your apps with one co-pilot. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that will be a cost per user of $30 per month to get access to the co-pilot, uh, which will be made available on November 1st across all of the services. Do you remember when we worked at the same company and we had a uh, third-party travel agency trying to do the same thing? <laughs> I have that travel agency now, or not that travel agency, another travel agency, but they are actually, they haven't failed me so far. I was about to say that if, if humans can't do this, <laughs> I want to see a co-pilot try to do the same thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. Sounds cool. And I'm, the whole idea of this virtual assistant thingy is yeah. starting to sound pretty cool. Yeah, but the question is, are we there yet? No. Like, they, they promised that Alexa were supposed to be able to do all of this, I don't know how many years Dude, ago. they promised us flying cars <laughs> in the 50s, so, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, and the last thing they introduced were the uh, new Bing chat features, both Bing, the the like public search engine, uh, as well as Bing Enterprise, uh, which now will use the latest um, OpenAI models, so GPT-4, 4.5, 4, uh, as well as an updated DALI for, for pictures. I've tried this new updated one, and so far it can't, can't draw anything even similar to a human, which is quite, kind of hilarious. <laughs> Uh, it draws everything perfect apart from face, feet, fingers, um, which it surprisingly doesn't fail on in, in the demos, so I don't know what they're supposed to do. But they are now adding Bing Chat as a more native feature within Edge uh, as well and are updating all of the, the language models and uh, picture models. Uh, and I think that's available today. And it's still free to use uh, within Bing and DALI. To a certain extent, you have credits for, for the image creations, but it's free to use. Uh, and if you want to use the enterprise feature, that comes with a cost. Makes sense. But then, to the thing that I'm obviously most passionate about. Uh, What's new in Intune? <laughs> we'll get to that if we have time. Hardware. <laughs> obviously. More stuff. But I'm sustainable now, so I, I won't change my devices, even though I would love to. Uh, the, th the funny thing here is that they announced two new hardwares, one being the Surface Laptop Go 3. Not really that much new, better performance, slightly lighter, 
it's a reasonable update uh, to it. Uh, they, of course, want to sell that combined with Windows 365. And they basically tell, say in the blog post that if you want to get premium a premium hardware experience, which is basically like saying, hey, put yourself in this crappy car and then put on a VR headset and drive a fast car. Uh, I don't see why you would do that. But that that's how they position it and it's still there for frontline workers for schools uh, i i love the form factor of it uh, and i think it has reasonable performance for a lot of those use cases but that really nothing new the other thing they announced uh, were the surface laptop studio 2 which takes uh, all of these new creativity features within windows 11 and really uses it to the maximum extent they have a gpu they have a cpu and they have n gpu something like that for ai um and they actually had they were brave enough to put it on stage next to the most powerful macbook pro you can find and they render the same thing within uh, an open source image rendering thingy. And the Surface Laptop Studio 2 were twice as fast. Twice as fast as a 64-core M2 MacBook Pro. Given that it's one picture, uh, and I like, it obviously has some downsides. Uh, but it was quite a, a clear shot across the bowel for at Apple, where they really want to have the. They work together with Adobe to enable Photoshop, as an example, to use this dedicated CPU or GPU uh, for the AI workloads, uh, and it really made a difference. Uh, it's as always the most powerful Surface Studio laptop yet, um, but it also apart from this humongous performance introduces an, a new touchpad which has a number of cool features but the like what really took a piece of my heart were that it's uh, the most accessible touchpad ever so when um, i was at the mvp summit i was fortunate enough to be invited to the accessibility lab and met solomon who is one of their program managers for accessibility and he was invited to to be part of the event and showed how he can use um, his arm which doesn't look like any other arm on the touchpad with a perfect touch and a perfect ability to use it regardless of um, which accessibility requirements and needs you have that is also something to introduce with the new Surface Pen. So you will have accessible accessible grips on the pen so that more people are able to use these fantastic hardwares um, despite uh, the, the challenges they might have. Uh, and that was really... It, it. He came across as so incredibly happy to finally have achieved this, being able to take accessibility up to a prime... Microsoft event and show it at front and center how it, it can be used. So that was quite astonishing. He did a fantastic job. But in addition to that, they also silently announced a Surface Go 4. So a small tablet, which is also an update, and a Surface Hub 3, 
which they didn't mention at all during the event. That was only part of the blog post. Uh, and we can probably dive deeper into, especially the Surface Hub later. The, the Surface Go 4 is, uh, as with Surface Laptop Go 3, just a like regular update. Uh, but the Surface Hub 3 also uses the, the new software, um, which really changes how you're supposed to use the Surface Hub moving forward. But it's new hardware, and the older Surface Hubs are able to be upgraded to this new hardware specification by changing the... Uh, the compute unit within it, which is something I, I really think is a good feature of Microsoft to introduce. There we go. And we are running out of time, as we always are. And it clearly, it, it doesn't matter if Amy's here or not, because we're <laughs> clearly capable of doing it on our own. Yes. Um, but anything quick before we uh, wrap up this episode? So uh, I would say that I spent the last week at uh, JNUC in Austin, Texas, where I spoke about Mac OS management. And I think one of the most interesting takeaways from there, and we can talk about that for ages, is that Jamf sees that by 2030, there will be more Mac OS devices than Windows devices in enterprises across the globe. That's an interesting takeaway that I did not expect to hear. No, but that's something we can get back to in all of my other adventures in Texas at some point but we'll leave that for a future episode. But think about that, all device administrators out there that are trying to push back on Mac OS, that even if Yamf is wrong, you will most certainly get more Macs to manage, regardless if you want it or not. So what you're saying is deal with it. Yes, deal with it and listen to your users. Or, to be very honest, be better at managing Windows, because a lot of Mac users I know they choose Mac because they have badly managed Windows devices that are unusable. Good point. And on that, it is definitely time to end this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and for, for listening. Again, I want to plug uh, our live uh, recordings. We, that's a, such a weird way of putting it, live recordings. But we will be recording two episodes live, one at Data Saturday Utrecht, which is October the 7th, and also at Data Minds Connect which is the week afterwards, so on the 10th of October. We're going to be there, all three of us, so take, take the chance and be part of, of a, a recording of an episode. Hopefully we'll see you there. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Hidibin Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at